What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Slab Talk. I'm your host, Amil Sarfani, and this is my sports card show. I appreciate you tuning in. Today, we've got an awesome guest joining us here on Slab Talk to talk about a topic that I find very, very interesting. Uh, we're going to be talking about developing a healthy relationship between your personal finances and how to invest in sports cards. Um, I think this is a very important topic because uh, with the amount of money that we're all putting into the hobby, uh, coming up with a way to do this with long-term success in mind uh, and a healthy relationship with your own personal finances, I think is a very important topic. Casey is the one that actually proposed this topic to me uh, with the invitation that I put out for guests to come onto the show uh, and uh, a topic that, again, Casey knows a lot about as he currently works in the personal finance world. Um, and you can follow him at Casey underscore collects. Uh, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Um, and again, thanks for, for joining Slap Talk. Hey, thanks for having me. I am a huge fan of the show. And for all the content creators out there, follow Mills outline on how to do a show right. Appreciate everything that you're doing for the hobby. And uh, the transparency is great. So a huge fan of it. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And, and if you are a guest out there and you enjoyed this episode, please do reach out, DM me, email me uh, if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, Casey, let's get into it by first, let's talk about your background. How long have you been collecting? Um, tell me a little bit about your background in finance uh, and why this topic is important to you. I, so I started collecting back when I was a kid in 1998. So the Tim Duncan, Vince Carter, your boy, Tim Duncan, uh, yes. and Vince Carter, those were like the prime years uh, for me in card collecting. Vince Carter was huge. Like he was bigger than like Zion from a couple of years ago, bigger than Luca, like the biggest prospect came out of Carolina, a high flying, you know, jumper reminds you of anybody like he was the next MJ. And so I got huge into Vince and I, I collected from 98 till about 2004, which is when I graduated high school, went up to college and kind of put it behind me uh, during my 20s. And I'm 35 now and got back into it about two years ago. So um, I worked, worked in finance for about seven years now uh, in the personal finance space in the last three. And uh, so my wife and I are very, very passionate about helping people um, that want to be helped with their personal finances when it comes to paying things off, when it learn when it's talking about, you know, retirement, learning how to invest, uh, 529 plans for kids college, which we're about to have our first one here any minute, literally my wife <laughs> is 38 weeks pregnant. So, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dave Ramsey's course, financial peace university, but we've led it multiple times to our church and just love helping people out with personal finance. So I thought this would be a good topic because I think it's kind of taboo. Not a lot of people talk about how much money they spend in the hobby and what's a healthy amount. So uh, looking forward to have a conversation about, um, about that. Yeah. And first of all, congratulations on about to have a kid. I mean, what, uh, what an amazing time Artist and, out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, that's a big, big life step. And so that's, that's huge news. Um, and, and with your background in finance, um, how do you, and, and the reason I think this is taboo is because we, you know, the, the hobby is going through this whole, 
collecting versus investing. Um, And the reason I think this is an important topic is because we are spending a lot of money on this on this hobby, and having a uh, a business background or, or mindset around it to treat it like a business, even though it is a hobby, um, I think is really important so that we don't fall into some of the traps that we're currently seeing kind of play out in the market uh, as we speak. And I think it's a very relevant discussion uh, because I feel like a lot of people are right now uh, have spent a lot of money in the hobby and maybe didn't quite plan for kind of weathering the storm, right? And I think that that's something that we should be talking about as a hobby so that we don't have the types of panic that I feel like sometimes can permeate the hobby the way it is right now with the huge increase that we had. Can you talk about how you develop a healthy relationship with sports cards and your own finances um, so that you're not stretching yourself thin and and you're operating the hobby um, so that you yourself are kind of healthy with the way you do it? Best thing, in my opinion, that anybody can do for their finances is having a budget. And it sounds very like, you're poor, you live on a budget, you know, like you don't have any money type (laughs) of thing. And it's just not true. People that win with money are extremely intentional with the money that they have. And it's it's the same as any world-class athlete. Uh, Tom Brady, for example, takes his diet extremely seriously and won't stray from it. He's got a plan for his diet and he wins with nutrition. And it's the same way with people that, uh, that do well with money. They have a plan for it. And so um, every month, my wife and I come together and we plan out our month moving forward. We know exactly what our mortgage is. We know exactly how much we're going to spend on groceries. And um So, A, just from a marital standpoint, we don't have any money fights or money problems because we're both on the same page. We both have vision and clarity on it. Now, in our monthly budget, we also give each other the freedom to spend our own money on whatever we want. We call it our walking around money. And uh, so we each, you know, for us, it's 200 bucks each. We get to spend 200 bucks on whatever we want. Uh, I spend all my money on cards and... (laughs) I have old nasty t-shirts with holes in the armpits, you know, like looking at me like, dude, come on, get more better shirt. Uh, My wife spends it, you know, on whatever she wants, Target, shoes, whatever. And we never like, I spend money on cards. She spends money on whatever she wants. And that's it. We're both, we're both good with it because we've already said to each other, we're okay with each one of us spending this money on whatever. Yeah. And, and the budgeting piece of it is really tough. Like it requires a lot of discipline. It requires a lot of patience to build up your budget. Uh, but I think there's a couple of ways that I think budgeting really helps. One, it's like, okay, are you spending on things that you don't need to be spending on? Right. And a lot of it, investing is mostly a, it's mostly a mental game. It's mostly a mindset game. Um, and part of that is also what else do you spend on? Right. If you want to spend more on cards, can you cut your expenses on things like clothes? Something I do, I very similarly to you, I've got shirts and wardrobe. I, I haven't replaced any of my wardrobe in years because I really, really do want to save as much money as I possibly can uh, to play with uh, things like the sports card hobby and to do things like that and to invest in other activities that we will talk about as we get into the show. But again, I think that budgeting piece of it is very important. And what's interesting about having a budget is when you know exactly how much money you have to spend, you will make much better buying decisions because when you're just, I'll spend whatever, 
you become loose with your money and then you probably will end up buying something you normally wouldn't, which could create higher comps for everyone else. So when comps get higher and higher, bubbles can form, bubbles can pop, people leave the hobby. And when people leave the hobby, PC values can go down. So um, having a budget just makes you very, very intentional. I don't know if you have a list of cards that you want like I do, but you know, I've got, I'm an MJ and Luca guy mostly, and, I'll, and I get a little bit of Kobe and, and Vince Carter, but there's only like three cards out there right now that I really want. Yeah. So instead of something shiny showing up on my eBay feed and being tempted by it, I know by having the budget, how much money I have to spend, but I'm also intentional with which ones I'm getting. And I think you'll find that the, uh, the collectors out there with better collections kind of have this strict no straying away from the plan type of mentality. And going off of that, like having the practice of creating a budget and sticking to a budget also inherently makes you more strategic in your buys like you're talking about. And this, you know, and it makes you more intentional about what you want to buy, especially when it comes to how expensive some of these cards have gotten nowadays. Having a strategy now is way more important than it used to be when you could buy pretty much anything you wanted and it was fairly cheap, and therefore, if it didn't quite work out, or if the if 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 the strategy didn't quite work out, you were okay because it just wasn't a crazy risk that you were putting into it because the the numbers were just less uh, from a magnitude standpoint. And now, when the the numbers are just so much higher than they ever used to be, the practice of creating a budget also leads into the practice of creating strategy, which is again so so important to I think what will be a success in this investment category. So, um. With this same vein of creating kind of a healthy relationship with your budget, how do you deal with debt? Because I know some people are dealing with this idea that they've overspent, they've got into a little bit of debt. How do you treat debt? And, um, and you know, obviously there are things like good debt and bad debt. What do you consider good debt, bad debt? And do you use any sort of debt when it comes to sports cards? Well, I never met a debt that I was happy about having. <laughs> <laughs> So it's hard for me. I, I know what you what you mean with good debt and bad debt. I think all debt is bad. And um, because it's stealing away from your budget, if you're doing it. I mean, if you got a car payment, if you got student loans, that's money that could have been spent elsewhere. So, um, yeah. I, I So what me and my wife did is we went through a period of our marriage where we paid everything off except the home. So we don't have a car payment anymore. We don't have student loan debt. We don't have credit cards. Uh, best way to get to not incur debt in this hobby is to not use credit. Um, so that's easier said than done, right? And I think what we're trying to get at here in, in your question maybe is how can you do this without using credit? Is is that fair to say? Yeah. And really the idea here is credit card debt, which I feel like a lot of people have used to buy cards, is awful debt. And if you're using credit card debt to right. buy cards, like that's not where we should be playing in. I think that's where this whole budgeting conversation really comes into a, a, an important piece yeah. is like making sure that you're not stretching yourself and creating a a, a proper, again, because this is where I'm going with this, right? The idea of panic selling or selling for a loss or whatever it may be, mm. that comes from the idea of putting yourself in a position that you need to sell, right? Like you have to free up cash. Now, mistakes happen. I've talked about it on this show that I think if you need to sell for a loss because you've overextended yourself or you made a bad buy that you no longer believe in, there's that's that's something that's almost necessary in my opinion. 
However, having to sell for a loss or putting yourself in a panic in a panic selling position comes from decisions that you made a long, long time ago, which come from yeah. how you actually bought the cards to begin with. And I, I am a believer in good debt versus bad debt. Like I do think there's good debt out there. Things like if you're going to buy a home, put mortgage on, put mortgage debt on it. Although it doesn't feel great to go into debt, that's great debt. It's basically free money, especially in a low interest environment that we live in right now, right? Student loan debt. Although the student loan crisis is a whole nother conversation and that's out there and that's a problem. My wife and I have had this discussion of, should she pay off her student loan debt? And we just said, no, you pay almost no interest on it. Uh, It's a very, very friendly debt, basically, because it's not it's something that you can pay off over a long period of time and it's low interest. So why not save that cash to be putting into things like the stock market or other investing vehicles that we're working on now? But the idea behind this is that the only reason you ever have to sell for a loss or, or put yourself in a position to panic sell is because of this, this conversation. So not overextending yourself, right? It kind of makes you wonder if, so at the time of this recording, we're in a bear market, you know, and I say bear market loosely because this market has really only been crazy over the last 18 to 24 months. Right. And we're so like analytical and, and data minded with things, but you know, when I'm sitting down and talking to people about investments, I'm not looking at a one-year track record or a two-year track record. I'm looking at a 10-year track record. Right. right, um, right. So it's funny to talk data in, in this current environment. But um, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say, um, yeah, no, it kind of it kind of makes you wonder if this current environment that we're in is mainly... Uh, um, because of poor buying decisions in the past. Like if there wasn't such a need to cover your credit card loss right now, would you be panic selling and having the market go further down and down? Or would you be okay sitting with them for a while? And so therefore we wouldn't see values of cards go down like we've seen over the last couple months. And, you know, I don't know if there's any real way of knowing that data, but it's, it's interesting to know. And do you, with the money that you put in the market, are you expecting to make money and use that income for your daily needs? Or is it investment? Is it something that you're buying and you have a long-term view of it? Because obviously there's a lot of people in the card market right now that use cards to produce income. And really when it comes to investing, it's like, are you investing with another avenue to produce income or are you investing with your investing dollars, right? And so I think that's, again, something that I think about a lot is like, I love spending money on sports cards, but I treat it as an investment and try not to use it as an avenue to actually make income or produce income rather than holding an asset that's going to appreciate over a longer period of time. How do you think about that um, as, as someone who's in like the personal finance world? I think of the hobby as the hobby. Right. And I'm not trying to make this a source of daily revenue. I'm not trying to add it to, you know, annual income every year. I just want to have fun, enjoy it. And I do want the cards to go up in value. Of course, I I do. And um, I think it's important not to get such an emotional attachment to them if you can, because I think you'll make smarter decisions with them. Um, but so like my wife and I, we owe like 140,000 bucks on our home, right? My card value is nowhere near that, but 
if it were to get near that, I would seriously consider selling my cards to pay off the house. And people are going to, in the hobby, are going to hate me saying that. And I, and I totally get it. But I also value something completely different than other people do. I value not having debt on my mind. I value having financial freedom and peace. That's something I value. So it's important to me. I did a poll uh, a couple of weeks ago asking people if they spend more money on their retirement accounts or on cards. And two thirds of the poll responses uh, were cards. And uh, I was, I think I was actually surprised. I was expecting it to be more like 80, 20, more like 80% of people going into cards. But um, it's just, it's interesting to know. And I feel like I'm going off topic. What was your question again? No, no, no. So this, I like where you're going with this. What percentage, so let's talk about this because I think this is an interesting uh, part of the conversation is what percentage of your investable dollars are you using to buy cards with versus 401ks versus you know investing in the stock market versus investing in real estate? How do you balance your investable dollars, which I define over and above your kind of oh shit fund, right? Like I think again, that's mo- first and foremost, you got to be building up that emergency fund so that and if anything were to happen to you or your family, there's money to be had and, and they're not you know, something's, you're not going awry there, but assuming you already have your oh shit fund, assuming you've got cash that's, that's supporting you. How do you, where's your percentage of dollars going into the sports card market versus other investing activities? I think it might be 1% into the, into the card market, but look, that's only because I value this differently than other people value it. So I really value, because I'm in finance, I really value putting money into your 401k, into IRAs, because um, as much as us hobbyists don't want to admit it, the stock market is very good. And it will be very good to you as long as you stay consistent with it and put money in the market. The reality is with cards is that it's hit or miss. Yeah, Some of these cards are going to flake. They just are. Some of them are just not going to pan out and it, it has nothing to do with things that are in your control. You know, like five years ago, people were loading up on Ben Simmons and it probably hasn't paid off all that well. And I think in cards, there's, there's really only a few cards out there that are, that are going to be worth money and investing in over the long haul. And I think that that's a painful reality for us to hear. But it's true. And I think a conservative percentage of cards that are actually worth money that have ever been printed is probably like 1%. Because if we talk about every card that's ever been printed, it's definitely less than 1% that that actually had made money. Because we're not just talking about MJ and Kobe and LeBron and, and Gretzky and those guys. We're also talking about guys, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Greg Oden. Anthony Bennett, what would you say? Greg Oden. Greg Oden, yeah. I mean, there's so many. Christian Leitner, you know, and yeah. Michael Olawa Candy from the, you know, the 98 draft. It's like, what? And oh, yeah. so, um, you know, I've learned that I'm not really into the prospecting game, and I don't think that you are too. Um, I, I like to prospect, but I don't do a ton of it. In terms of like, if I, a percentage of my sports cards investment, it's it's still a very yeah. small percentage. I mean. But looking, I mean, just looking at some of the cards you got in your background, you know, you got that, you got that sweet Steph Curry back there. Wow, what a nice card. You know it, <laughs> you know it. Uh, but you got Tim Duncan back there, you know, Kobe, LeBron, 
you know, um, those are wise moves. And, and I think a lot of people, this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but I think a lot of people get the order wrong when buying cards. I think people will go, um, what's the best home run opportunity for a prospect? Whereas me, like, I want to get the player right and then the card right. And I think a lot of people will get it backwards and get the player and get the uh, card wrong and the player wrong, which is even worse. And so, look, I'm just going to stick with with MJ. I'm going to stick with Kobe. Proven guys, nothing to worry about. Vince is just a passionate collection of mine. And Luke, I, I have really high hopes on. So, um, anyhow, so, again. Yeah, I mean, so like for me, modern basketball, especially because that and, and and this goes for any sport for, you know, if you're investing in players that are currently playing modern basketball is crazy risky and you just got to yeah. know that. And that's why it's got to be a small percentage of what you're doing if you're actually trying to make money doing sports cards, right? Like t- taking into account the risk that comes with investing in modern players is paramount because if you're heavily, heavily weighted towards prospects, it probably means that you're trying to get rich quick, right? Like you're trying to yeah. hit a home run. And a lot of times you're right. Those don't come through, right? You try to go heavy, heavy, heavy on a Luca play and he gets knocked out in the first round or whatever it may be. Right. Or even worse, you, you know, you're, you're trying to go after the next Tyler hero play that pops yeah. off in the playoffs. And of course that's insanely hard to predict. And the card market's just not as reactive anymore. So now you just put a ton of money into something that you thought you were going to flip in two months. And of course that doesn't pan out the way you thought you were going to pan out. So for me though, most of my money is in the goats, MJ, LeBron, Tim Duncan, Kobe, right? Like those guys are where most of my money is right now. And, and I'm putting more money into those guys more so than any of the prospects that even I like that even I get tempted to want to buy more of. Right. Um, But Going back to our initial question of like how much of your investable dollars in cards, for me, I, I have actually a large percentage of my investable dollars in cards. And the reason is, is one, I have con- like, I believe in cards. So I like it as an alternative asset. It makes me really happy to buy sports cards than buying Tesla slot stock. Like, I just don't care about it as much. Now, from a financial decision, that's probably not the right decision. But I'm also a believer in you know doing what you love to do, and 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 if you do what you love to do, you'll do the research and you'll be better at it than you would have doing the thing that everybody else does, but not being great at it, right? Um, and I do have money in the stock market. I have money in. I do have some money in crypto, but I actually have a much larger percentage of my investable dollars in sports cards. I'm also 28. I don't have a kid. I've got my cash position secured. I'm also luckily making money right now, so I've got a a job that produces income that allows me to do this without feeling like I'm putting myself in a disadvantage position. Uh, but again, I think that's a really interesting conversation because it comes down to risk profiles, right? Like how risky yeah. do you want to be and how risky can you be? But yeah, a hundred percent. And everyone's in a different situation. There's so many people on Instagram that have crazy collections yeah. And, but, you know, they, they're also 50 years old, some of them that have a very, very high income and uh, are in the prime of their earning career. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. The only part that breaks my heart, Emil, is that you're okay with having student loan debt. Man, get rid of it as quickly as you can. You'll have so much more money to spend on cards. 
That's not true. I take all my cash and I pay off the student loan debt. Now I have less cash to invest in cards, which I believe I can make more money on than the 2% interest that I'm paying on student loan debt. And that's how I'm thinking about it is like, I'd rather take the cash and even put it in the S&P, forget about cards for a second. I'd rather take that cash and be like, okay, look, I'm paying two, 3% on my student loan debt. It's again, very low interest. Again, if it's credit card debt, which is 18%, Pay that shit off. I've never paid a dime of credit card interest in my life because I don't I don't believe in it and I don't I don't live beyond my means. But when it comes to like a decision between paying off student loan debt or taking that cash and investing in the stock market or a card that I think is very safe, I would rather do that. I, I do. I and and I like this conversation because there's pieces of it which I just I, I we 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 won't necessarily agree on, and that's okay because everyone comes at this very very differently. Um, but I do think that there's good debt, and I. If you already have student loan debt, like I don't like student loan debt, especially if you go to college for a job that you don't need to go to college for. And now all of a sudden you have this mountain of debt and you have to take a job that you no longer like just to pay off the student loan debt. I think that's the really big problem with student loan debt. But once you have it, it is what it is. And then the decision becomes, how do you deal with it? Right? How do you pay it off? When do you pay it off? But that's that's our student loan conversation. I guess we can, we can have. It's a good one. Yeah, it is. So- let me ask you this. When it comes to investing in stocks or whatever, do you believe in sports cards as a true alternative asset? And how do you think about alternative assets? Um, because this is something I think about a lot in terms of the next 30 years of our life, right? Like how is the world going to change? Uh, and what and, and and how does investing itself change over the next 30 to 40 years? How do you think about that, especially compared to lifelong, you know, uh, history long investment vehicles like the S&P, like real estate? That's a great question. And anybody that tells you exactly what's going to happen is just fooling themselves. It's the wild west right now. It really is. Uh, The crypto phase is, is, is evident, you know. Um, Here's what I'll say about cards is, I'd be happy as as long as they don't lose money, I'm happy. I hate losing money way more than I like making money on cards. Like a thousand percent. I can't stand losing money on this stuff because I only get 200 bucks a month, man. Everything else is accounted for. So like I can't screw it up here. You know what I mean? And um, I think that the right cards will be a great investment. But just a warning to collectors out there, I think 99% of cards ever made are not going to be good investments long-term. So what do you do if you have bought a card that is currently losing money? A lot of people who have gone in the last two years, uh, both me and you included, uh, have, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm sitting on some cards that I'm, I made a bad decision on and I'm losing money on. What do you do about it? How do you deal with it? Because at the end of the day, nobody likes that, right? Who, who? I don't think right. there's anybody. Everyone's going to agree with that statement that you just said about losing money on cards, especially because it's cards. So it feels extra stupid when you do it uh, because it's not the S&P 500. If you're losing money on the S&P 500, okay, you know it's going to come back. But when it's sports cards, it's like, it's, it's a little bit more panic feeling. Mm-hmm. What do you do about it? How do you deal with it? And what do you suggest people do if they are sitting on cards that they're losing money on? Sure, sure. So here's, I'll give you an example of a card, right? So uh, this, kind of tough to see, I'm sorry. This is the 
97 Top's Finest, Kobe Bryant, uh, Refractor, uh, number 137. It's numbered to 1090. It's a sick card. Um, it refracts on the back. The lighting is terrible. I'm sorry. Um, cool card. I could not find this stupid card for the longest time on eBay. Okay. And then it came up and I got it for like 1600 bucks, I think. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this stupid card is popping up left and right on eBay. And it's, uh, I think they're going for like 800 bucks to a thousand bucks, right? Let's say, let's say I spent 16 and it's going for 800. How much have I lost? 800. You said 16 to 800? 800? Yeah. yeah. Half of it. I haven't lost any money on it because I haven't sold it. Oh, sure. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Okay. And I'm not going to sell it. Okay. At a loss. <laughs> but you believe that, in that play. What's that? But you believe in that play. I believe in this play because it's, I mean, it's just, you, you got to know your cards. And that's such a big part of this is that you have to be real and honest with yourself about what you've got. It's a second year Kobe. It's a refractor. It's numbered. It's like less than a top 20. Yeah, this is an, an amazing hold. Now, a couple episodes ago, you had given an example of, look, if you're sitting on a couple, like two prison-based PSA 10 Lucas, yep. right? Yeah. And you got to sell for a loss for something else. And you recommended getting a BGS 9.5 Optic Hollow. 100%. I think that's an amazing play. But you came at that from the mindset of it's a very, very high pop card, I'm assuming, this prison-based PSA 10. Yeah, Why don't I focus on something that's a little bit more on the rare side? And I, I completely agree with you. But, you know, I, I kind of only go after a, a prison-based PSA 10 is just something I've never been interested in. I kind of like the harder to get stuff. I mean, I've got some accessible things, but, you know, I, I kind of like consolidating all my $5, $10, $20 cards to get a $100 card and then consolidating a couple $100 cards to get a $1,000 card. You know, at the end of the day, I'll probably end up with like seven cards when it's all set. But um, it's just so important to go after cards that you believe in and not sell them for a loss. And there's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you ever read that book? I haven't read it, but I've, I've heard of it. It's such a good book. And he talks all about building great systems. And he's got a line in there that says the purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. Now I'm 35. I play basketball still. As much as I love to win every game out there at the local YMCA, I much prefer being able to play basketball for a long time. It matters. I don't care if I win the next 30 games in a row. If I can't play two years from now, yep. that's going to piss me off even more. So if I were to sell this right now from 1600 to 800, I'm on a $200 a month budget. I've just lost four months of card money and I took a loss on that. So you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to be really content with this card because I do enjoy it and I don't plan on selling it. There's only a couple of Kobe cards that I wanted and this is one of them. So I'm just going to sit on it. I'm going to chill. I'm going to be fine. It'll come back. People will realize it's a great card to own. And if I come across another MJ that I want, because he's kind of my main guy, then I might sell it and get a better MJ. So I hear what you're saying in terms of not selling 
if you believe in the play. And I agree with that, right? If you believe in the play, all for it, you're good to go. Keep the card. Don't sell it for a loss because you're right. It's not a loss until you realize that loss. And if you don't sell it, you're not realizing it. It's just numbers on a piece of paper until you actually sell it. But, but if you don't believe in it, I really believe in selling for a loss. Like if you don't believe in the play anymore, I truly believe like, this is what I'm dealing with. Even with cards I do believe in is that in this market dip that we're sitting in, there are cards that I didn't think I'd be able to get my hands on that now have become back in play because I didn't expect the, the, the card, even low pop cards at in certain, in certain areas, even for the great players that have lost value that I didn't think I'd have a chance to get at. And so yeah. I went after a different card that at the time in the, in the high peak market or whatever was at that time affordable for me. But even with that card that I believe in, and it could be losing money right now, there's still parts of me that I'm like, it's still just, so instead of thinking about it as $800 loss, the way I think about it is a $800 gain to then put into the next thing. Now, if you just take the loss and you just walk away from the sports card market and you never reinvest it, that's, that sucks. So you, you bought high, you sold low, and now you're just out, right? Like now you're just gone. You just, you straight up lost the 800. But if you reinvest it into a play that you really believe in even more so than that play, again, that's where I think it gets really interesting. That's where I think there's a lot of creativity and how you manage your portfolio uh, and how you navigate sports cards going forward as opportunities continue to present themselves. Um, and I think that's where, that's where my head's at with this is like, that's what I'm going through right now because there's a lot of opportunity that I didn't expect to have right now. Uh, but because I spent more than I should have in the, in the, in the last year and a half, even though I did dollar cost average in, even though I did go in slowly, I didn't go in heavy. I took the amount of money that I wanted to invest over a period of time and kind of slowly learn the market. Now, two years later, when we're sitting in this market where I think there's a lot of opportunity, I wish I had more money to play with. And that's what I'm struggling with. But yeah. So would you, if you could do anything differently, would you have done something differently? I would have done a lot of things differently. Yeah. But, but I'm also a believer in like, there's no way to learn things until you just do it. Like you just have to do it. You have to do it. You have to make mistakes and mistakes are part of the game. Like, Oh, no one makes more mistakes than I do, man. We all do. Right. Like we all make a ton of mistakes. So the idea that you don't take the law, like to me, it's like, look, there's a lot of things I would have done differently. And I was just talking to a friend of mine. Like if I, if I know where we would be a year and a half later, I would have just waited and put all my money in now. Yeah. But if I did that, I would not have put all the time and effort I did into actually researching the sports card market and something that's very specific to the card market or really any investment uh, market out there is like, there's a lot of nuance to it. And to be really great at it, it takes a lot of time and effort and research. And I don't think I would have done it without buying cards that even today that I, I somewhat regret, right? Yeah. So I'm okay with those mistakes because they've really taught me a lot about the card market. And it's why I made that episode a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days last week about selling, about making mistakes. Like I, I just, even as someone who puts in as much time and effort as I do in this market, I'm still sitting on cards that I wish I hadn't bought. So what do you do? You know? Hey, everybody in this hobby has made mistakes. I, oh. I bought a, um, when uh, Tops Project 2020 was going on, I don't even collect baseball cards, man. And I love those Project 2020 cards. And the Ermsey Trout was going bananas. And then this artist named Fuchi came out and was doing um, 
he did another trout and I thought about getting one and, um, and then I didn't. And then I saw the card go from like 20 bucks to 40 to 60 to 80. It got up to 200 bucks in, in one day. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to get it now. I got to get it now. I got to get it now. And I bought it for 200 bucks. You can buy that card all day long for $5 right now on eBay. And I'm just so I'm not going to sell it because I've just, I'm telling you, man, I've got a problem. I just won't sell a card at a loss. And so I'm burdened with this Mike Trout Fuji card. And I don't even watch baseball. I'm just a basketball <laughs> guy. And, and so, yeah, there's, we all make mistakes. Me and there's, so many, there's so many lessons to be learned in that, right? Like the FOMO that, that, that oh, so man, easily, FOMO like Casey, you're a financial advice. Like you're in, you're in finance and you let that, happen. like, it is such a strong feeling. We all let it happen. It's such a, it's, it's almost human nature. Like it's something that takes a ton of discipline and you still make the mistake over and over again. Like it just happens. Right. And so like, and you invested in a sport that you don't really watch and like so many things that could have been done differently. And I think that's where right now in this moment, I've done a lot of reflecting on that particular topic of like, okay, I fucked up. Like I messed up and I just got to learn from it. Even if it's not worth selling it now, because whatever, I'm only going to get $5 out of it. So I'm just going to keep it. It's cool looking card. Project 2020 are cool looking cards, even though there's a shit ton of them out there now. Um, it's whatever it is, right? But I think that's what I, I'm really passionate about right now is like, okay, how do I take all this stuff that I've done over the last year and a half, a lot of money that I put into the card market, um, and put myself in a position to hopefully be successful tomorrow, even though yesterday I feel like I may have messed up. Right. But I think you're that's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I think we're all going to be fine. I mean, uh, the people that are riding the waves that are riding the storm right now, that we're going to be fine. Like I've learned a ton over the last year, year and a half, two years. Uh, you've learned a ton. I'm sure I'm certain of it. We all have. And, um, you know, when you lose, you learn from it, but failure is an event. It's not a person. So, you know, we just pick ourselves up and not make the same mistake again. And it's a great teacher. It really is. Um, and, and, and the reason I'm okay with it all is because I still vehemently believe in, in sports cards as an alternative investment. I think what the internet has done over the last 20 years, um, which it's still very much in its infancy. Like, I don't think we quite realize that the internet and the ability to sell cards so easily on eBay and all these other platforms, how much that helps the card market continue to flourish when you start connecting people from all over the world. You know, what happens when international buyers and sellers can buy and sell much easier than they can today because of the shipping costs and all the prohibitive things that are in place right now that keeps a lot of the international market kind of out of it a little bit at times, right? Unless you have a PWCC account, unless you're doing all this stuff. But I think that's really fascinating. I really do believe in it going forward. I think the next generation of people that get into investing are going to do it differently. Like I just, you know, the the model that we've had over the last however many years has created a crazy income gap. So it clearly needs adjusting. It clearly, there's clearly going to be a different way that this moves forward. I don't think we just repeat what's been going on the last 20 years. Right. So. No. And I, and I, and I hope it doesn't, I hope it's a lot yeah. more stable and I hope that we have healthier growth because, you know, people that have bought at the peak and didn't budget and have it on credit, man, they are scarred for life. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'd hate 
that to happen to people because it's such a great hobby. There's really great people here. You know, there's great content creators like yourself. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't like these huge, we all hate to see this chart on, on card ladder, don't we? Just the, Oh, that's the worst yeah, one yeah. right there. Me as a, as a data guy, a finance guy, this is my favorite one. You know, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, but it, it's constantly going up. And so I think there's never been a better time. Well, I take that back. The best time to get in the hobby was like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 10 years ago, but you know, hindsight's 2020. And um, so no, I, I think we've got enough people in the hobby that want to see this become successful and we'll do our very best not to make it just a fly by the night kind of one-time thing. Yeah. And and I, I believe that you're right. Like, I think that there will be healthier growth going forward. We've already seen people be less reactive to stuff, which is healthy. Like, you know, we have to realize that these guys' careers are so long, you know, like Giannis is going to play for another 20, he's going to play for another 10, 15 years if, 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 if we're lucky, you know, um, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity to get into guys like Luca and Trey. And so you can be patient with it. And I think that's what people are going to, that's what I think we're going through right now is like, Let's all pump the brakes and take the dollar signs off of it a little bit and just enjoy what we're doing. Cause like you said earlier in the episode, like process over everything, right? Learn the systems. Like we all want to be doing this. It's a fun hobby. We get to meet each other. I would never be talking to you if it wasn't for this hobby. I've yeah. made a lot of friends over the last two years doing this hobby. Um, and I don't want it to go away. I don't want the hobby to, to crash and burn, right? Like that would suck because I want to do this for a long, long time. Likewise. So. Well said. Very cool. Well, I think that's a good place to end the conversation. Uh, again, Casey, thank you so much for joining today. Follow Casey at Casey underscore collects on Instagram. Uh, give me a follow at the slap talk, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, and if you're listening on podcast, please leave a rating and a review. And if you'd like to come on and be a guest like Casey, uh, DM me, email me a topic that you're interested in with uh, a take on it, with your perspective on it. Uh, and we'll work through it like we did with Casey. And, and thanks again for joining, man. And thanks for having me. I had fun.